Hey, it's Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder, and you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore moving completely free from inhibition, delighting on your senses. And today we have a very special guest. This is Jamie Cawelty. I knew about her because she was hosting the um, Given Consent podcast, and she's been a key piece in sex positive world. So welcome, Jamie. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about sex positivity today. Yeah, let, let's talk about sex positivity. But first, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your story. Like how did you become interested on, on the topic of consent? Why it's important in, in sex positivity? Yeah, absolutely. I think that consent is one of the most important things that uh, I have found in teaching and my own personal development. I was raised in a very religious family, so lots of rules around, um, you know, listening to my elders and following those rules and um, one kind of way about how relationships work and the whole point of life kind of laid out ahead of me. So that didn't work for me as well. And of course, you know, I ended up in a relationship where um, there was abuse going on and I was kind of set up for that because I wanted to just be a doormat and, um, you know, get into relationships that were all about just getting married and not really about like what I actually wanted from a relationship. Um, turns out this happens to a lot of women and just folks in general. And um, I got introduced to sex positive culture through um, a friend of mine. And they brought me to this meeting where we talked about self-care and the importance of uh, confidentiality and those that you're around and how we speak about each other. And then this concept of consent, which for me was all about, you know, um, being able to connect with people in a way that I actually wanted to, feeling like I could set my boundaries, which was really a new concept for me. And I found that to be really important when it came to personal empowerment, like getting into a relationship I actually want to be in, um, in order to set boundaries around food or with family or with friends, with my time, my energy. And I can just show up so much more fully in my own life and really do the work that is my heart work and my purpose. And that's why I teach people about consent and boundaries, because by and large, people are just not very good at knowing what they want, asking for what they want saying no to things that they don't want. And this really disempowers them and makes it so we're constantly giving and giving and giving, like giving from an empty bucket. So mm -hmm. I am just obsessed with this work because I'm still learning how to set good boundaries with people. And I just love being in a space where I can teach that to others. Wow. This is so important because, yeah, like we are actually educated to give and give and over give, like, especially as women, we are supposed to be enablers, like to, to, to let oh, yeah. people take from us and let them take from us. Like if that was our duty and you, you would be like glorified on heaven as a martyr, but mm -hmm. okay, no? and, and what about life? What about uh taking a moment to even ask yourself if you actually know what you like what you don't like and what you want and what you're gonna do about it because 
in my case, like I've been an expert on expecting people to read my mind and to mm. and it's been so hard to to ask for what I want because I'm I'm afraid that they are gonna leave. And there right. are people that actually leave. We had a conversation last year that was like life changing for me because you told me about setting boundaries like mm -hmm. like the the word no is a single concept paragraph book like you don't need to yeah. explain yourself like placing your hand and say no and that has already saved me from doing instances of of aggression and abuse from from close people because here in mexico like we are educated on enabling close people relatives to to do what they want with us like since we are little like you should kiss grandpa or mm -hmm. or go with your uncle or or whatever like even if there is no say radical things as sexual abuse like there's an abuse in, in not doing what we want and being afraid afterwards and the interesting thing is also like to to develop some self love in a radical way as you said boundaries because people at least here around me don't take boundaries very well like there was one lady that told me that I should dedicate myself to something else when I got my knee fractured like she mm. knew I couldn't teach Pilates anymore nor dance while I was with a growing two ankle cast and she was like no you, you gotta start thinking and act quickly on what are you gonna make a living from because you cannot you cannot work as you used to work and I I remember what you told me like the boundary and mm -hmm. it, she actually um she actually felt more close that than she should have been from me like I should have implemented micro boundaries before but at that moment I tell I told her like uh even politely thank you for your opinion but please don't tell me about uh your advice on my my professional life and mm. this lady like tried to to reinstate her, her opinion several times until I had to place my hand literally on her face and told her stop uh -huh, stop and then she she ended the connection like she she won't spoke speak to me at all yeah 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 so yeah like it's it's super <laughs> hardcore to to set boundaries and yeah and people don't always respond to it very well because they're used to people just kind of rolling over they go why'd you say no and they'll try and convince you to just do it their way. Um, I thought it was really interesting you brought up about young people and how in our families we just, um, 
just kind of like you know children should be seen and not heard do what your parents tell you and like okay there's a time and place like sometimes like you got to eat your dinner you got to go to school but we're forced to do all kinds of things when we're kids that we don't actually want to do especially around like hugging your uncle or eating food you don't want to eat and um this kind of general concept that kids should be ordered around the thing is we carry that into adulthood when our boundaries are not respected when we're kids and um you start to not recognize when you don't want to do things and that's part of what makes us so agreeable as adults because we don't even recognize that your body is telling you I don't want to do this because your whole life, it didn't matter. You had to do it anyway. And that's a lot of what um, I teach in the boundaries class, including the no is a complete sentence. That's, that's it. No is enough. No, so no, I'm glad. no, no, it's enough. Yes. Like it's, it's very challenging to go past all that conditioning because you start to to even question who you are like to to grow aside from from the story and the narrative that you are expected to keep on talking about and one one of the threats of that story is being agreeable and that reminds mm. me of this doctor Gabor Mate that he he mentioned a formal study in of in a hospital researching uh, terminal patients of chronic degenerative diseases and like the correlation of mortality with agreeableness and almost ninety mm. percent of people that was naturally agreeable died and from that percentage most of them were women so like agreeableness can be like deadly <laughs> agreeableness <laughs> can become deadly and it was like yeah like the patients that said say everything yes 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 to the doctor and are okay with everything like they end up uh Yeah, with with very very bad. And is they, this like patients who aren't asking follow up questions, or like they're more likely to just say yes to whatever they're told instead of asking like, "Well, why is that?" and making more informed choices? Because that's scary. <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember the details of of this story, but it was like. Uh, about being compliant without asking or wanting to know more or giving a second thought like, okay, the, I'm going to do what the doctor says in or actually what, like the insight was that these people not okay. only did what the doctor said, which is actually good, but they did what everyone told them to do. Like they were... Mm -hmm completely agreeable and you mentioned the key of agreeableness that is being disconnected to your sensations and your body and essentially being disconnected to yourself to a point that you don't really know if you're if it's you who is agreeing to that 
or in actuality, it's your forced, unquestioned, unexamined education that you are complying with by agreeing with that. So it's it's mm. it's becoming blurry. It's forgetting. Yeah, it's self abandonment, and I mean, I I, I even feel uncomfortable of saying this because. I know I should be agreeable and I shouldn't be talking about this. And women are not attractive if they say no. And even no means yes and yes means anal. There's like, <laughs> like a meme saying that. And actually people and oftentimes men that are abusive have this kind of mentality of bypassing feminine boundaries so it's like yeah that's kind of a story retelling culture also you know like usually any harrison ford movie it's like you know she's just playing coy she wants you to force yourself on her and that comes you know it's this concept that we also force on men about like this is what a real man is so our culture tells us like i think that there's a lot of like want to like say oh it's me and I have internalized this, but really it's our culture that's informing us that this is how it should be, you mm -hmm. know, and, and like so many things in our culture, it's, it's very toxic for us and we don't recognize it because it's like this big concept. There's not one thing we can point at. So it, it becomes about like, what's wrong with me? But it's also like, what is the story our culture is telling us? And do we actually agree with that? Um, Cause I'd hate to just like generalize it to all men or kind of this way when it's like, but our culture is telling them a story about how that's how they ought to be, whether they like it or not. Yeah, like if you want to become to to become someone and have a place in this culture, so you can belong to this culture, you have to abide by this expectation of being agreeable, saying yes when you mean no, and never saying no. So. What I found, and many people have found, is that the moment that you're, you start speaking your truth, you get unfollowed by your aunts on Facebook, and you get like expelled from your high school group of married friend, ex-friends, and maybe you, you can get kicked off from your job. And like, yeah, like you're faced to your social reality of who's really there for you for who you truly are and i mean rejection is super hard so do you have an advice to to like be able to to afford setting boundaries meaning that you have a way to cope with with rejection and maybe isolation or not belonging to something that hurts you? I think where I would start is, you're talking about family members and like family members is a really hard one. But so I wanna speak more to like the friends. Friends that you can't set boundaries with, um, I, that's really difficult for me because I can't say that in a really important part of someone respecting me. You know, if I tell you, you know what, I absolutely do not have the energy to 
you know, go to dinner tonight like we planned to. Um, and I, I want, it's not you. I just want to reschedule. That's setting a boundary. That's saying I really, I don't have the energy. And if someone comes to me and wants to make me feel guilty about that or like uh, something is wrong with me, that's really disrespectful of my feelings. It's really disrespectful of my energy. It's disrespectful of my other relationships and commitments, including my commitment to resting and recharging so that I'm prepared for other things in life. So when a friend instead says to me, like, thank you for being honest about where you're at, they might negotiate something different. Like, what if we just came over and watched a movie? Offering me something that's a lower energy option, you know, or just being like, but it's totally cool. We can reschedule. That person has made me feel secure. They've made me feel loved. They've made me feel heard. Those are the relationships I want in my life. So if a friend is going to take a little time boundary, no like that, or, you know, we were supposed to do something at this time, but I actually have less time or I have less energy or, or what have you. Um, if someone is forcing me to still do it, that's, that's not consensual. It's going to make me tired. Um, in my world, I might start resenting that person if I force myself to do it anyway. Like there's all kinds of reasons to not set boundaries with people, but the ones who hear and respect boundaries, those are the people I feel safe with. And that's really, um, a word I think of often, uh, especially for those like me who have, who've been through some shit in relationships is if someone is making you feel unsafe, that's a red flag. If someone makes you feel safe, it is probably because they've heard those boundaries and you can take that as a green flag from that person because it means you can be vulnerable. You can be your authentic self. And those are the relationships I really want. With family members, we do a little more negotiating because if, if you're like me, I'm never going to cut off family members, but I also am not always a hundred percent in my yes either with them and that's okay I've made that choice so it's a question of like how intimate do you want your relationships to be and do you want to feel empowered do you want to feel like you're being you're getting more from your relationships than you're giving away that's that's kind of my my test for relationships my I have a sister who's a therapist who says all relationships should be 50 50 and I go no no no. if I'm being authentic and that feeds me that's incredible. That's a relationship I really want to feed. Yeah. So, so to answer the question. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it sort of gives you like the thermometer to measure where you're at and the other person at a relation. Like if it's a real relation to start with, like if you are really relating or, or there's like, isolation and and the other person is having their way at the cost of the one person so also like assuming responsibility not only for yourself but also for the other one understanding that if you don't set the boundary and you don't make sure the boundary is respected you're gonna end up resenting the person so mm -hmm. like there's no way you can fully be agreeable without falling into hypocrisy like if i tell you yes when i when i want to say no i am actually lying to yourself to, to right. the other person and yeah. the other person it's not 
connecting with my real self. So then there's like, ah, this there's a match on lack of integrity, starting with own's personal integrity. So it's tremendously important to, to check on yourself where you're at and and communicate that. And the key that I that ah lighted in in my clarity was that you're not actually telling the other person that you don't want to see the other person or that the other person is not important for you by setting the boundary. You're just sharing your real state and ability to be there at that moment with and for the other person, which is very different. It's not that I don't want to see you. It's that I am now coming from an empty bucket. I need to refill myself so we can meet. There's something to share. Or, okay, we can negotiate and you can come and watch Netflix with me and recharge with me. And actually, like, I, I went through quickly with a few of my relations, meaningful friendships, lifelong friendships. And it is as if the actual glue that connects two people in the relation is going through the trials mm-hmm. of, of being able to to be together. It's like there's always an impasse. Like a, if there's a misunderstanding and you're about to cut that person out or yell at that or whatever, and if if the both of you are able to invent something else and resolve that problem that often comes with a boundary, then the connection is strengthened. It's right because it comes from from sincerity and authenticity, and at the same time, the the caring for the other person. Yeah. And on the other side of that, and like on the rejection side, like be, we don't like being told no. You're like, I really want to do this. And you're saying no to me. What do I have to do to convince you to want to do the thing? Um, so that's the other half of consent that we teach to people is just not take it personally. Like, uh, like the chances are, if you're saying, no, I don't want to do something fun that we plan to do together. It's probably not me that I'm suddenly not fun anymore. It's probably you're tired or something, something tragic happened or work's been crazy um, or you have an injury and maybe you're not wanting to go into all those details right now. So, like, teaching people to be cool is how I put it. Be cool about it. Just if someone says no to you, like, don't freak out. It's, it's going to be okay. And, don't, yeah, don't take it personally. But then also, sometimes outright saying no, um, there's a lot of us who have also, like, we've not received the best uh, reaction when someone has said no. And it can be scary to say no to somebody. Um I want something you mentioned earlier made me think about wanting to mention um, kind of the trauma response we can have. If you've ever tried to set a boundary with somebody or you go, well, you know, we just, you know, we were just making out and I didn't like it very much. And I wish it was more like this. 
if you're if you've ever had an experience like mine that didn't land very well and maybe that person got really angry and yelled or you know never wanted to ever kiss you again so you can end up because we're 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 feeling we're, we're feelers really we have an amygdala you have a brain like i do it's designed the same kind of way in that those feelings of not feeling safe that feeling of rejection that feeling of if i ask for what i want they're not going to like kiss me anymore that kind of gets stuck in your brain so the next time you want to go to somebody and say hey we were kissing and i really wish it was a little different than that um like if you're like i really just wanted it to be passionate you're giving me little pecs i don't like it um i but i really like you it teaches you not to have that conversation and that's a really vulnerable place to be um, where you can also end up as in a triggered response where, um, you know, we hear of like fight or flight, like, you know, whenever something triggers you and it's scary. Um, we also in our culture talk about the fawn response, which is kind of like that deer in headlights, like, yeah, whatever you want, I'll just do it your way. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, where you're just wanting to please somebody to the point where they're not going to bother you anymore. You just agree with it till you have to go. And we also talk about, um, the uh, fr freeze response where it's just kind of similar to fawn where you might more freeze and be like, I'm just, I'm just going to let this happen until it's over. Um, I don't know if I can say this one. I'll, I'll the, the fornicate I'll say in case it's going on YouTube, uh, the fornicate response where you, you actually please the point of having sex so that you can get out of a situation. Those are trauma responses. They happen because we're scared. And not the other person may not recognize they're even happening. So then we can check in with each other. We can use more words. We can make space for no or can we go slower. It actually gives us much more authentic relating. And um, I'm sure you've talked about mindful breathing on this before. Um, when we do end up in a trauma or triggered place with somebody, and maybe they are a really healthy, good person, good about hearing no. It helps us do some deep breathing because it actually will bring back your higher brain function, get you back into your parasympathetic nervous system, um, and out of that sympathetic stress response. So there are ways to come back out of this. If you're listening to this going like, oh my God, I always have that response. I don't know what to do about it. Um, there's, there's a whole boundaries class where we talk about what to do. Uh, we teach in sex positive world. I'm teaching it this weekend, actually. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, we need to know more about all the responses and to notice which our responses are coming from past traumas and and say like, oh, I have some stuff to work out. And I 100% relate with the fun response because I am not into slapping people in the face, but I am very like to play mm -hmm. as if nothing happened and then ghosting. Or well, like send a message. Yeah. Like I wish you great success on your life, and then <laughs> disappear. Yeah, because of not being able to to communicate. Um, what I wished it was different, or or to suggest something, even though it may be someone I really like. And I mean, I I also been like ruthless. One one time, I, mm -hmm. I I told my boyfriend at the time, like, like why can't you recover more quickly? Like, go yeah. away and come back when you're hard. And 
I mean, that was the last time I saw him. And now I, I was like, ah, I was like a macho woman. Like, I was like, like so, so disrespectful and untactful. And I, I mean, it was true, but I didn't mm -hmm. express like, I, I spoke those words in a way that that was coming from a lack of consideration for the other person. And of course, I, sexual criticism is horrible. Like even the best feedback, I think it's it can be devastating. And it's as general rule, give feedback not in the bedroom, not right after the sex. Okay. a little space so people are not in that afterglow state just just to say there's a time and place and it's not right after okay <laughs> <laughs> thank you for introducing that very important common sense recommendation that is better i don't know if that's common yeah. sense <laughs> yeah but I mean, it's good to be aware of that and like yeah. pick it up maybe two days afterward like with a brunch and like Hey, I wanted to share with you something like, yeah, in, in a way that involves the other person in a way that is caring and not only from a personal standpoint, but from a personally informed we standpoint, like we are making this together. So there are two parts. I felt this, but this thing that I felt, felt is happening to both of us because I am part mm. of the Or the three of us, if it's a three thing or many forms. But yeah, it's, it's so important to, to know about boundaries. So yeah. would you share with us another little tip that we can take with us and remember to practice boundaries as a self-care? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'll say this because we're kind of talking about dating, finding partners, um, and that's a lot of what I talk to people about. So I'm polyamorous, I'm kinky here and there, and part of community. And one of the number one things that I see with people when they set their boundaries, like for one, when you start setting boundaries, you will realize you want to set more. And the first one will be scary. So like that fear is a good sign. Unless you're like your life is in danger, fear is generally good for you. You know, do do what feels doable today to be like, I'm going to go on a date and it's going to go like this, like setting your boundaries in advance about what you're open to, what you're not open to. Um, on self-care, I also think... Um, Think about what kind of self-care you do for yourself. You really want to like yourself before you're introducing new people into your life. So I'm talking about like, you know, like I, I love a nice bath. I love candles. I love things that make me feel girly because I had the same thing. Where I had like lots of masculinity growing up. So if something makes me feel girly, I, I go for that. Just whatever self-care is for you. If it's cooking a nice meal if it's taking the time to actually do that journaling or read that book, like put it in your calendar, like it's date night just for you. So for starters, like yourself, um, 
Then for two, think about like things that have worked in past relationships or things that you wish were in your relationship. So if you want to feel a certain kind of way is when I put like, I want to feel like I belong in a group. I want to feel like I'm desired. I want to feel like I'm being nurtured and taken care of. And what you want in your relationships may be different. Like maybe you want to be doing the nurturing. Maybe uh, someone cooking for you is really important. So think about those things that you actually want in a relationship and use feeling towards not just like practical things. Because like I said earlier, we're feeling uh, creatures. And then also identifying like green flags and red flags. I think a lot of times when we talk about relationships, when we talk about dating, we talk about the red flags. And I'm sure anyone listening to this, you know some red flags to look out for. But also think of like, what would be the opposite? What would be a green flag for you? So if you can say no to somebody and they're cool, they're supportive of it, they're curious, I'd call that a green flag. So that's that would be my answer to this. Is say for one, take time for you and the things that make you feel good or whatever words work for you, if they make you feel girly, if they make you feel nurtured or whole, um, you know, get outside. Yeah, you know, it's wintertime here in Portland right now. So going outside feels like silly advice a little bit, but also like getting outside is important to actually connect with nature because on on top of being feelings machines we're earthlings um so we'd like to be connected to earth um yeah and then also identifying for yourself like what are your green flags and red flags i i highly recommend journaling and keeping track of these things because when you start identifying green flags in other people and the things that make you feel good for one, you'll start automatically doing the things that make you feel good. You won't have to think about it as hard. And then for two, if you know what green flags to look for, you will actually start to notice them in other people. Mm-hmm. So this idea of like, you know, the things that when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. If you look for red cars, suddenly you realize red cars are everywhere and you didn't even realize before. You're just changing what you're paying attention to. Yeah, changing what you're paying attention to. So just a quick recap. The first mm-hmm. thing to acknowledge your sense of safety where you feel safe that's like that's it that's where you want to be and then like yourself first before engaging with other people like make sure that if you're into taking hot showers cooking for yourself candles you like to be girly or you want to be a wild cowboy or whatever like make Make sure you're not uh, standing from an empty bucket, but from uh, liking yourself so you have yourself to share with. And then notice what worked in previous relationships. And that's how you can become aware of, ah, okay, this is something that I like, which leads us to the red flags and green flags like really like be very frontal about that you already know what's a red flag and how things go if you go down that path and for me it's like key to be more aware of the green flags and Mm -hmm. give myself permission to ask for what matters to me in spite of the risk of rejection, because I mean, if 
I really need to cook for someone because nurturing and caring for my beloved is it's my love language or whatever. Or mm. I need the other person to cook for me. Otherwise, I feel abandoned or whatever. Like, yeah. th those are my my green flags and so important to not be agreeable to red flags because that that is uh, relating from from inner dishonesty and then engaging into a bad cycle. So yeah, let's go for for self love, self care, self knowledge. Be an earthling going out into the chilly Portland weather. <laughs> yeah, oh, fantastic. Tell us about your boundary workshops. Do you give boundary coaching as well? Like, what would be like the entry point to to know more about how how to practice good boundaries and how to be sex positive? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work with Sex Positive World. Um, I'm the executive director of Sex Positive World, as well as the local chapter here in Portland, Sex Positive Portland. We're in a lot of big cities around uh, mostly the United States, but all over the world. So we've got a fairly large chapter in Los Angeles. We're also in uh, Utah and South Florida, in Nashville and Belgium, kind of all over the place. So what is it? Um, We basically teach people how to build sex-positive community and maintain them physically. So here in Portland, we teach a set of classes, and we also teach them online with Sex Positive World that get us all speaking the same language and starting to learn about this boundary setting. Because like we've talked about, it's just really not how our culture is set up. We are set up to live under these certain stories that disempower us. So we start with an intro to sex positivity that we call orientation, just talking about like, how did we get here when it comes to sex negative culture, which I would say is the culture we currently live in. Um, if you're in the United States and I'm, I'm 36, if you're my age, this is the first time you've lived in a post uh, Roe v. Wade world not being a thing. Like that's the reality of sex negative culture that we are seeing before our eyes just unfolding. So we start with orientation then awesome boundaries around the world, which we talk about these cultural influences. We actually practice saying no to each other. We practice negotiating. We talk about like who is responsible when things don't go well. That is a three hour long workshop. And I teach each that once a quarter, like each of these classes is one a month. So every four months, there's one of these classes. Um, we also teach the pleasure talk, which is, okay, if you want to have a sexy encounter with somebody, What do you even talk about before you get to that point? Because in our culture, we kind of have this like, oh, you just get in the bedroom and you figure it out. You know, no training required. Well, what about the intimacy? What if someone's kinky? What if someone likes their hair pulled? What if someone definitely does not want their hair pulled? Like, what are the pieces of that conversation? And um, last, we have a class called Sexy Intersections, where we talk about those pieces of our culture that have to do with diversity, equity, inclusion. Like, if you, are, if you have a disability, how does that affect how you interact with the world when it comes to being a sexual creature? Or when it comes to race or to where you are in the world, or if you are an immigrant, or if you speak the language of the place where you live? Like, we cover a lot of topics. 
this basically gives us the same understanding of when we say boundaries, when we say consent, when we say sex, what does that even mean? So these four classes are offered once a month. My vision for Sex Positive World is to actually turn those into videos so that people can come by our website, sexpositiveworld.org, and have access to those classes anytime. Basically, if you have an internet source, you can just watch those classes, you can learn it, you can review it, um, you can come back to it and see how am I doing? Because I, I teach this boundaries class probably monthly between doing it in person and online. I learn something new every single time. And um, we also host discussion groups. We host practice. We host things like cuddle parties where you know the energy is going to stay in that nurturing, platonic touch place. Clothes are staying on. Um, it's not one thing leads to another. And that can be really healing when you can hold those boundaries in a sweet space with people. So we're actually helping people re-empower themselves after that power has been taken away. And I've just, I've seen a lot of healing come from it. I'm starting to collect stories from people and it's just really inspiring. And I love doing this work. I love helping people to actually set boundaries in their life. Yes, helping people to take their power back after they've been disempowered. This is so important because that's the culture we still live in. And yeah. I am really so so full with admiration for what you're doing, for your work, your your persona, your endeavor, because you are supporting the growth of a sex positive culture that is a culture of inclusion of respect of integrity of healing of true love of integrity so really 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 thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world and for sharing a little bit Uh, a little flame of this fire that you're tending to with the Essential Sessions podcast. Jamie, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and essentially, please go to sexpositive.org to learn more about... Yeah. It is sexpositiveworld.org. <laughs> sexpositiveworld.org. We'll hunt the whole world. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's the goal. You can be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sexpositiveworld.org and learn more about setting boundaries, about self-love, about owning your desire, about vocalizing your your desires, your preferences, and welcoming this bliss this fleshly bliss that is being alive, especially on intimacy, sharing yourself with other or with others. Yeah. So excellent. Yeah. So essentialist, if you haven't subscribed already to the essential emails, please go to www.centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get essential session podcast episode delivered weekly on your inbox and until next time remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame <laughs>